Okay, well, welcome everyone to our uh, Next Steps podcast. This is our Tuesday podcast where we talk through uh, the the previous sermon from from Citywide Baptist Church. And so we'll welcome you along. But as we start, especially this week, as, as NADOC week is on, hopefully you'll find some events around where you can experience and appreciate um, Aboriginal culture and history. But we would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. We also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. So it'd be nice to hear um, if you want to type in the podcast anything that you're doing for NADOC week. Um, we'd, we'd really encourage you to look, look it up and go and find something to do. Um, now, here, here today we've got uh, Matt Garvin who delivered the sermon on Sunday uh, and um, Anne Herbert who, where, where are you? You're out near Cambridge somewhere. So, yeah. and, then, and then Pete Collins, who's one of the elders of the church as well, who hasn't frequented our Tuesday podcast. Is, is this your first one? Yes. Yeah, okay. Congratulations. Not many make it this far. Uh, so it's good, good to have you with us. Uh, before we start kicking on, um, i just wondering, have any of you guys got a highlight from the last week? It's nice just to share a bit of what we've been up to. What's something that you've enjoyed lately? Yesterday, to give you time thinking, yesterday I took my family out to um, Burger House, a burger restaurant. I'm not paid to promote them. Um, <laughs> there are other alternatives, but gee, I enjoyed their burgers. Uh, so we just had a nice family lunch. It was my birthday. So, yep. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, well, speak, oh, speak. oh you go, Anne. You go. I was just going to say... I had the opportunity to spend some time with my son and daughter-in-law in Western Australia and I came home during the week, but it was just a wonderful time away. I really mm. loved it and catching up. Mm. Great. For me, for me, the highlight uh, was that today's my daughter's birthday. She's uh, no longer a teenager, so we've got no teenagers at home. And last night, my, uh, my second son, Dan, arrived home. And so for mm. the first time and probably the last time we've got a month where we're all together back under the same roof all four kids and the end and i so it feels like this Very is special. a yeah it does a bit of an end of an era transition period uh we weren't planning we thought we'd got rid of them all but they're, they're home so it's uh it's kind of nice <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yes welcome to the modern family yeah. <laughs> kids leave kids come back yeah how about for you, Pete? Any highlights? Oh, there are always plenty of highlights. Um, one of them we were talking about yesterday with uh, you two, then uh, going along and watching the grandson play soccer. Mm. And let's face it, as a six-year-old, the soccer games are not particularly skillful. The kids rush together and then they rush somewhere else. So there's always a pack of kids around the ball. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> funny, really. Lovely. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Okay. Good. Well well um the previous Sunday, so back on the what was that, the end of the last Sunday in June, we talked where we've been going through a series on Matthew eighteen. Uh the previous Sunday we looked at if if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them. If they don't listen, um go and meet someone else in the church and get what get the elders involved. Um and if that doesn't work, then you just uh move on basically well i don't know i mean treat them like they're tax collector or pagan so that was the previous week so if you missed that podcast you can go back and and find it on the same platform where, you, where you're listening to this um and i'd encourage you to go and listen to that one before you listen to this one if you haven't because it's um i feel like this one leads on pretty well yeah. so but but it's separate enough that a couple of weeks ago matt said i think i need two sundays on these five verses also and so so we've split into two Matt, and, do you want to explain? I'm glad I did that because, you know, I ran over time just on these three verses, let alone what we did last week. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get Anne to read it and then if you, you can explain why you felt the need to separate them out. Why is this so big? So, yeah. Anne, if you read Matthew 18, 18 to 20. Okay. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, 
it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, do you want to take over? You split this out. Yeah. Uh, so we, we were, obviously, this comes in the context of what was said previously about if you see someone sinning, uh, go and tell them. But Jesus now takes a different tack. And, and there's a whole lot of people who have different ideas about what these verses are about. But it is actually, when you, when you do the study, that there is fairly close to unanimity amongst uh, Bible scholars about what they're about. And funnily enough, they're not about what most people think they're about. Uh, like I, I, I hear people sort of in the prayer kind of thing, talking about binding and loosening things in prayer. Uh, mm -hmm. Hear other people uh, talking about, uh, you know, binding God's promises and getting the Ferrari or whatever it is. Or there's a whole lot of this. This, this language is used in lots of different ways. But at the heart of it, there's this, this central question. That is, it is an essential question. It is how do you know what's true? How do you know what's real? And how do you know, uh, you know, what is right? And and I don't know if there's a more important question. It's, it's an important one. And, and our current answer to that in our culture and our, and our time and place is what is right is what feels right to you. Uh, but that's clearly not a biblical answer. And, and here Jesus gives an answer where he, he transfers the authority of working out what is right to the church, which is absolutely terrifying, uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't take long to look at church history and realize, yeah, there have been plenty of times we haven't done such a good job of that. Uh, but he does it in such a way that the the how is as important as the what, and and so he does uh, hand over the binding and loosing responsibility to the church, but then he says. This is what it means. This is how it works, and this is when I'll be with you in the middle of it all. And uh, and it, and he makes it clear. I mean, to cut the long story short, he makes it clear you don't do this on your own. And there's a particular kind of fellowship that is essential if you're going to do this real work of working out what is true, what is right, what you can trust, what you can't trust. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, in, so in this passage here, um, yeah, I tell you the truth: whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. This is the NLT version as well, but but yours talked about binding. So, yeah, you're right though, Matt. Often, well, I'd like to ask you guys in your experience: how have these verses been interpreted? And then Pete might be good to hear from you guys. Um, <clears throat> well, I've. I've never really been quite sure, to be honest, except that I did hear a sermon on one occasion which took a slightly different tack from um, Matt. But at the same time, I, I really relate well to what Matt's saying. It makes sense in the context of the way Jesus taught his disciples. But um, that one of those um, was that um, this particular minister reckoned that if we choose not to share the good news, we are actually, in some ways, what we're doing is preventing somebody from having that opportunity to become part of the kingdom. And and, and therefore we're kind of, it was, it's not, I mean, that's probably a bit of an offshoot and Matt will probably come in and say, no, that's not quite right. But then also if we do share the good news, we have the opportunity to free them to become part of the kingdom because they can hear the word of God and we can. Uh, and the whole point, I think, for me is that binding and loosing is for the kingdom's sake. It's actually about the work of God. It's Jesus, it's it's God's purposes, which it can be a bit hard to disentangle that, I think. And that's where I think where Matt's coming from. Um, but Jesus did lay down some fairly clear indicators of um, what it means to build the kingdom of of heaven on earth god of kingdom of god on earth and so i think that whatever it is that we're supposed to be binding or loosing 
it has to be in the context of um, building the kingdom of God. Mm. It's not about our own agendas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll come back and talk more about that in a minute as well. Um, Pete, how have you heard this passage in your history? Unfortunately, so often people take a very shallow view of this and um, feel that, okay, two or three together, um, God's going to do what we want. And we need to remember that always we need to be so in Christ and he in us that we are one in Christ. One as in I and Christ, but also I and you three together by the, the magic of modern technology are coming together. And so long as we remember to, that we are to be doing all these things in the will of God, not by our own worldly view or, or going off on some tangent, we just need to remember to be, well, to use a, a term that Matt uses, um, we need to be uh, using our our church and our connection with Christ as our mm. foundation for all that we do, whether we're in two of us or, or 32, it doesn't matter. Mm. I've often heard this passage in, in a, probably mostly focused around spiritual warfare and the, our war is not against flesh and blood but against principalities yeah. and powers. And so whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I, I think I've often heard it talked about in spiritual battles or in the, in the spiritual realm, whereas this one is actually talking about in Matthew 18. He's, he's, this is pretty much a chapter about how do you love despite differences yeah. and complexities. Yeah. And it's all these different things of this is how you love, this is how you, um, yeah. And so so in this, it's actually talking primarily about behaviour just before this passage. It says, you know, if someone actually does some behaviour against you that or that you think is a sin, go and talk to them. And then it comes to this, you guys need to work this out together. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Um, I, I, got, I got this image. I, I saw this picture not long ago. Uh, I really liked it. Um, what well, last week I found this one, and Jesus was handing the keys over to the early church, and um, handing over the keys is handing over the authority. Yeah. I, I, I like this image because um, I don't know if their facial expressions are meant to be like this, but it's like <laughs> there's a, there's a <laughs> really <laughs> sort of facial expression in it, um, which which I'd like to <laughs> align with. Yeah, well, and, and it's interesting because that. That picture Anne was talking about is relates directly to the keys, which is not in this chapter of Matthew. It's in Matthew sixteen, uh, yep. where and and in that context, um, Jesus is talking to Peter and saying, mm. "I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, we loose in heaven." And there's been a whole lot of debate about that. So is Jesus delegating this to Peter, and is he now the Pope? Uh, you know, and, and different wings of the church have obviously uh, read this differently. But but it, it does seem to be a very clear delegation to Peter uh, in that conversation and the, the, the idea that there is an authority that Peter has, uh, that there is nothing said in all that about papal succession or anything like that. But, but, but the truth is that Peter um, does become one of the foundation stones of the, ch of the church. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. And then, a couple of chapters later, he repeats that to 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 us all. Uh, but there is this weighty responsibility of both of them that uh, because earlier he has said, and I think I think we may actually get to a point where Jesus in in Matthew tells off the Pharisees for locking up the kingdom, uh, for keeping it away from people, and and to what Anne's saying, that there's this picture that we do have a responsibility to unlock the kingdom and, and to welcome people in. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, in, in the context of this, because it's, it, this is often, until I'd, I'd done this work, this, this verse has often sort of been a bit jarring in the context. He's just been talking about confronting someone about sin and then we're going to go and talk about forgiveness 
what is this in the middle of it all about binding and loosing and and mm. you know prayer and is it some sort of a funny little addition? Um, but it, it is in this context and, and in the context of Matthew 16, the binding and loosing is uh, most Bible scholars agree. This is, what, this is one of those. This is not one of those ones that are particularly controversial. Um, uh, most scholars agree. It's talking about people's behaviour. This is the scary thing that the church is given the responsibility to define what is what is what does it mean to behave in a way that is uh, honouring and reflective of a relationship with Jesus in this time and place. What what it, what, it, what is right? right actions look like in this time and place and 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 kind of this assumption is and for us as a church the reality is we, because we've got nepalese congregations and aussie congregations it, we, we see very clearly that different cultures actually require sometimes different behaviors to be honoring to jesus hmm. uh, we, we can be uh we, we can think that we have all the answers and we can look down on people in the past or look down in other people in other in other cultures and think, well, they've, they've got it wrong, don't they? Um, but it, it is not our task to look down on anyone else. It is our task to work out what does it mean to to be honourable in our behaviour, in how, how we live our life, to be salt and light, to live in such a way people look at us and notice that our behaviour is different, um, which, is, which is a little challenging. Because the idea that we would be looking to any external source to tell us how to act is about as countercultural as you can get in our culture. So, say that last bit again, sorry, Matt. The, the idea that we would look to any external source to tell mm. us how to act yeah. uh, is about as countercultural as you can get in our culture. Mm. Yeah. Anne, were you about to pop in with something? Uh, I was actually going to throw in another question, um, and it's about this binding and loosing. It was one that occurred to me um, yesterday. I, I led a prayer time at church, mm. and it was a prayer of intercession, and it was not my prayer. It was somebody else's prayer, but it was a prayer that had opportunities where I, I sort of described a situation and then invited people to um, bring a person to mind that, that 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 God had laid on their heart to then bring into that time where we were together in Jesus' name um, to sort of like bring them and, and, and put them in that place. And, and I thought to myself, is this a little bit of also what binding and loosing is about in that we prayed together for certain things. I haven't got the prayer in front of me, so I can't give you a really ex good example. But, oh, yes, I can. We prayed for people who are feeling really um, overloaded with responsibilities you know, at home, at work, or because of the demands that somebody who they're caring for is placing on them or whatever. And we asked and, and, and that God would give them um, peace and a, a, a way to... I can't, those are the words I can't remember, but a way of helping them to manage and, and release some of that overwhelmed feeling. And then I invited people to, if they knew someone like that, to just have in that a period of silence, a time to bring them and and to make that prayer for them. And it seemed to, it seems to me that we did that as a body. And so we might have brought different people but the prayer was the same. And in some ways what that was doing was a, a releasing. It was a, a, a loosing of certain things or an invitation or an asking of God to bring certain things into that person's life. Now, my question is, can you extend that to this concept of binding and loosing? I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, you probably can in our modern English as a way of describing what Jesus is saying in other places, but I don't. And he he very clearly uh, tells us to pray for people to bring to him people who are pray, like the Book of James, which is about bringing people who are sick and uh, you know whatever you ask for in my name, 
it does land. It sounds. It does sound like prayer as he's as landing this, but it does seem that this the binding and the loosening thing here isn't isn't as much about prayer, but it is mm. about in its context. It's about behavior, and and it's the the keys to the kingdom. So that's why um, that's what, that was a bit surprising to me. So I, I would have thought a bit more along those lines, but it was in doing this work, I realised. Uh, okay, so this is this is a direct follow-on from what he was saying earlier about go to someone who's sinning, mm-hmm. and and there is a, there's, there's a probably this additional spiritual reason to why that's the first port of call uh, when you find someone who doesn't agree with you or you, they're not listening to you is to find two or three other people to go with you because there is an authority in that two or three mm-hmm. um, that, that he is delegating here uh, to mm-hmm. to discern together. So it is. Um, so it is. It's certainly true, and there is a spiritual reality that there is something about being together in prayer is profound. And mm-hmm. and Jesus promises, you know, we're, we're in this passage. He promises where two or more are, are gathered, there am I with them. Um, but it, it does seem that what he's saying, particularly, is where two or three are gathered in my name, wrestling through the messy reality. That's in front of you now, and trying to work out what right behaviour is. Uh, that's that's particularly where I'm going to be with you. Because Christianity and religion have often been um, felt as as things of rules to follow or ways you have to live. Now, people have people have made those rules of what's okay, what's acceptable, and mm. they've made those rules either in previous generations or they've made them in a different culture or it's interesting when we when we look at contextualization of 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 behavior and what this means um and so it it, this passage is interesting because what it's saying is get get other believers together and work out in this culture and time and place in history what is what's right how to behave what's okay what's not okay do you think that's what this is saying? Yeah, I, I wonder if it'd be helpful, at least interesting for at least for those on YouTube, less helpful mm. for those who are listening to us. If I show you how I do some of this research and find the, um, I'll see if I can uh, share with you the the Bible app I use to do the research and, and what I'm looking at, because for me, I, what I I always I, I always come to this kind of stuff. Uh, with a deep sense of my own ina- inadequacy uh, in terms of, like, I know I, I'm a long way from having um, a, a deep understanding of um, the, the cultural context and uh, and and I, my biblical Greek is very, very limited. So I rely heavily on uh, these commentaries. Now, commentaries are written by people who understand the, the biblical language but also understand um, the the context uh, and uh, so there are you'll see these are the the commentaries I lean on uh, and and one of the things I, I'd be encouraging people there are free commentaries out there but they're usually free uh, because they're very old uh, and they're, they're missing a lot and what it you'll see uh, here, uh, one of the things I love about this, I don't know if you can even see it, but whenever I click on a word, the, the Greek word comes up for, for what, mm-hmm. and so there's a chance to do that. But the uh, one of the guys I lean on pretty heavily here uh, was, uh, where are we? So we'll just move that there. And uh, this, the, guy, the, um, the Greek scholar here, this is the New International Greek Testament Commentary. And he he was the one I quoted on Sunday. You'll see he actually on this one verse he's he writes uh, all this, uh, and uh, he, here he says, having been instructed by Jesus, the church is able to prohibit and command in a manner that is backed by God Himself, which is this is profound, isn't it? Uh, yeah. in, in the context of the attempt to bring back an erring brother or sister, the specific point will be the church is able to confirm the standard of behaviour 
to which the erring one is being called to conform once more. So I, I will always do some research. I will always look at a bunch of commentaries, knowing that some are more left-wing, some are more right-wing. And, and I'll be always interested if there's um, much difference of opinion in, in all that. But in, in this case, there really wasn't a lot that the, that the binding and loosing primarily is this authority that the God has given the church to determine behavior, which, is, I mean, part of me, there's part of me recoils at that idea because I can see how terrible a job the church has done at that. Mm. And so, yeah. and so, but, but this is what Jesus is saying. And I can, but I can also see in the Jerusalem council and other places where the church has done it well. And it, it is a real challenge for me as I hear all that. I think, well, this is asking something of us. I guess the challenge um, is that who are those people who who are getting together and then making that decision about what's right, if you like? Mm. Um, and you know what we would, we've just referred to church history, and we know that there've been. I mean, I think of the Inquisition, and there were people who were leaders in the church who got together so you know they it wasn't just one person there were several people and and they made some pretty terrible decisions um about what was right and what was wrong and i'm sure that they saw themselves as binding and loosing and of course we know that the whole of the whole idea of culture and stuff does come into play because there's politics and you know there was a whole lot of power plays and other things going on so it is it does get really murky i think at times and and then of course god jesus god sends into that mix people who just throw the whole thing up like we've had in the past um people like martin luther and calvin and others who've actually challenged the group think if you like because i think at any time for the church we do have there is the challenge of how much, even as we get together, are we getting together with people who think like us or see, define what's right like we do? <laughs> and, um, you know, me, social media does it. And we've even got algorithms on social media that will reinforce how we think even as we go wider. So, yeah, anyway, just putting it out there. There's, there's yeah. a broadness that we have in, um, in Christ that sometimes I don't think we saying just then about sticking to those that we know and think like us is a real danger for us because mm -hmm. we become it with tunnel vision almost. Um, yes, and, and we also need to remember that this is for we in the church and it is not right that we then go to Bill Bloggs who has never even considered there's a God yeah. And we start telling him, "You've got to do what we do." It's That's it's right. much more complex than that, and we we're with God in um, God calling Bill Bloggs to Himself, not mm. us herding him to God. Um, yeah, mm. allowing God to to move in Big Bill Bloggs' life. And this is Absolutely. where colonial mission went so wrong because we imposed our culture on them rather than helping them find what's right before God for them at the time. And that's, that's interesting for me. I, I, my understanding is I've done a, a fair bit of reading in missiology that there really is only one successful missionary in history uh, who was able to bring the gospel uh, without bringing without also smuggling in their culture apart from jesus yeah. and, and paul to a lesser extent but uh, saint patrick in ireland was the mm. was the only one who was able to to bring christianity and use the 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 local culture to found what became the celtic church uh and and was able to keep the core of the gospel but do it in a uniquely celtic way one of the sad things uh, I was reading a, a summary, like I often quote Elizabeth Elliot, the work she did with the Orca Indians. Uh, her work also well, it, it paved the way for the gospel, but it also paved the way for oil companies and cola. Uh, yeah. 
and 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 this is the the challenge that often we're smuggling in other stuff. We're not even conscious of it. Even Martin Luther, uh, this is why you know all that he did. Uh, he his his approach to Jewish people was horrific, um, yeah. and and for all of us, there are blind spots we have. And, and when we think it's our job to be the sole source of truth, we're dangerous. And, and, like, and as Anne said, is one of the groups are not necessarily a source of truth either. We have all kinds of, we understand about how group think and group shift and a whole bunch of things happen in terms of group dynamics. Uh, and, that's, and that's why I actually think the, the stuff we were talking about before, I think I actually wonder if Matthew 18 is part of Jesus' attempt to lay down an antidote to unhealthy group dynamics uh, by starting with focusing on the little ones uh, and and who wants to be great here. That That's a sign for a healthy group. Then it's then saying, now, boys and girls, if you see someone sinning, go and tell them. Build a culture of feedback and and... And now he's saying, okay, uh, if you want to know what's right, get together with people. And this is why, for me, this idea of symphonio is so important. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's not groupthink. Um, and and, and I, um, I've done a fair bit of work on group dynamics. And I, and, and I think what, what is generally accepted is all groups go through, there are stages of group life that you've got to get through in order to get to healthy community. Uh, and in the, 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 in a simplified version, they talk about uh, forming, storming, norming, and performing. That's a massive oversimplification, and then mourning at the end of it. Um, but but that it, it, at each stage of a group's life, the the questions are different, and it's only mm -hmm. if you manage to navigate the first stages of group life, you get to a point where people can actually be honest. Uh, and and getting a group to a place where people can be honest and different is it, most of us don't spend our lives in groups like that because it's not mm -hmm. a, it's, it takes a it takes a lot of maturity from the leaders and and it asks a lot of those who are in it. It's wonderful when you experience it, um, mm -hmm. but it, it is it, it it is what the church is meant to be. Um, but that's what. I, th I think that's the picture Jesus is using with the word symphonio. This one I, like, I really liked. Yeah, I really liked what you had to say about that yesterday, Matt, and how you know when you think of that word symphonio, it's also like symphony. Yeah. And if you think of an orchestra, all lots of different instruments with different voices, if you like, and yeah. they all come together. And if you've got the conductor doing things and everyone looking at the conductor to, you know, when they have to come in and what they have to do, then you get this beautiful sound that, that mm. works. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's the other thing that struck me about that image is mm. that there is a conductor. And when we come together as Peter was talking about, we're actually wanting to find the mind of Christ. Mm. And Jesus said, I am going, but I am sending you the, the Spirit of God to be your truth teller, mm -hmm. to be your comforter, to be your guide and encourager, yeah. and if you like, the conductor. Um, yeah. And so when we come together, we're not just, we should, if we're doing it as Jesus has asked us to do, we're not just any group we're a group of people who want to be submitted to the mind of christ yes absolutely mm -hmm. and, and, and that, that's that for me is the thing that sorry that makes it feel safe about um a few of us could get together and agree on you know prosperity doctrine or all these sorts of different things all the crusades but this thing of having Christ right at the center and and being in step with the Holy Spirit, if together we can have symphony, as we yeah. each follow Christ in our own unique way, then then that's the safety net. Is um, I call it safety net. I still am nervous that people that will get it wrong, but we'll at least earnestly get it wrong, following like following as best we can to follow the Spirit. 
but it's a lot yes. safer doing it together. Sorry, Matt, go for and, it. And I think there's one other element I didn't get to say. There's a whole lot of stuff I would love to unpack on Sunday, but I didn't. I, I actually think this, because, and you're, I think you're asking who, who does this or how does it work, but I think part of it, this is meant to be, there's a, a term they've got in mathematics called fractal. Uh, and I think what that means is there is a pattern that is true at the micro level that is true at the slightly bigger level, slightly bigger level, slightly... And I think this is what this is meant to be. That's why I, I advocate for kingdom cells. I think we all need to be working on discerning truth. Uh, the truth... There are questions in our lives that we need help to discern. Um, there are questions in our workplaces, in our churches... Where, where we and and I think sometimes where the church has got it wrong is where we think okay we're going to look to this leader to work it out for us and so we we put all the godly authority in a leader rather than doing this job of we have the mind of Christ together but there is this task for the church to do this wrestle so I think it is a task that you need to do with a few other people it's a task in a church that the whole church needs to do, but also the leadership of the church needs to do. I think it's a task for the church in Hobart to do, uh, and it's a task for the church in the world to do. And I, I love the church is still trying to do that. They still have these Lausanne conferences and things where they get together and try and wrestle with big questions as a whole church, except it's not really a whole church. But for the first 600, or no, first 1,500 years of the church, these councils were essential. And really for the first 600, they were pretty healthy. Uh, they worked through some really complicated issues. And the outcome, that's why I think there's a grid you can use to measure the outcome. It's always grace and truth. And there's a whole, which is, uh, there's a whole, I, I could love to unpack why the simple answer of that is because Jesus is grace and truth. The more complex answer for that is that God's nature is reflected in his glory there's this pattern of justice and mercy and compassion you see right the way through history and right the way through the Bible. And I won't wrap it on about that. But I think one of the ha having a grid like that, and also for me, this, the um, fruit of the spirit will be at, in the wrestling. I, I will know that that's what should the, the outcome, could, outcome should be. And also the Wesleyan quadrilateral, the idea that there is the foundation of scripture. But I'm also needing to reflect on my experience and on tradition and reason. So I, I, in those things, what I was trying to do is just give some grids to say, yeah, you can have fellowship, but here's some ways of measuring uh, whether you're on track or not. Hmm. Yeah. And there was one question you asked of the church, uh, and I'll pop up the slide. You, you, you said... Um, here it is. What, what issues are the most complex for you to know what is right and what is wrong? Or hmm. another way we can word that question is what, what do we as a group of believers need to work through to work out how God wants us to behave and to be um, currently? And so for those who are listening, just, we'll just read out a few of these. Pete, would you re read out a bunch of these for us? Well, we'll start with the biggest one, uh, abortion, and then going out from there, sexuality, money, uh, euthanasia, greed, <laughs> the uh, asterisk, etc. I took as being swearing, but apparently that's not the case. We've uh, got relationships and it gradually goes out, of course, as uh, there are less people that have put that particular uh, item up. But it's, it's interesting that those that are right in the centre there, to a large extent, they're the ones that are really facing the, the world as well as the church in all sorts of ways. If you look at the moment on the, the protests that are happening in the streets, a lot of that is to do with abortion and sexuality. Mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of, for those who are watching on YouTube, I've heard for one group who are putting their answers in and they typed in sex and it came up with this funny bunch of characters here. So that's what the funny bunch of characters probably means for most people when they're putting it in. Yeah. It's called malicious word filter on this technology, so it replaces things that it think you shouldn't say. So, oh, yeah. okay. 
So apparently, apparently, you're not meant to talk about sex. It's okay to talk about sexuality, but not sex. There you go. Yeah, we should have turned off the malicious filter and seen what came through. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So we we as Christians need to work out. So what this passage is saying is get some people you really trust who are following Christ wholeheartedly, who are seeking first the kingdom, work through how we're supposed to re relate to these current issues. Yeah. Um, how do we invite, how do, how do we represent Christ um, with these current issues that are going on? And and then let's, let's work together to see, to see that happening. Yeah. The, the thing I, I love in this. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, the, the thing I love in this is um, I, I think I've been brought up in church to follow the rules that have been from long ago. And I think I've been taught to believe that they came from the scriptures. But the actual truth of it is, was that a, a group of hopefully godly people, and, and they would have been men usually, um, they've got together to work out what's right for the church. Um, so can you drink? Can you go to dances? Can you, like, all these different things they had to work through, what's okay and what's not okay. And that they were behaving in this way but but my my appreciation of it was that they were actually taking stuff from the scriptures and saying this is how you are to behave, um, when actually there are just a group of Christians who are trying to follow what Christ is saying to them, and then we pass it down through the generations. Yeah. Um, yes, well, I guess it, Jesus' day, you know, he we have the religious leaders, and he had a lot to say to the religious leaders. They had studied God's word they had um, they had traditions and there were different um, groups that had slightly different traditions and and um, yeah and, and he comes in and he, he says actually um, you need to I'm going to shake you up because you've got so focused on your way of thinking you've mm. lost sight of actually what God mm. is all about and and it, that's a warning, I think, for us too, that when because our, our, our church life can become sort of entrenched and in tradition, and particular ways of thinking about things. And again, that comes back down to what you were saying, Matt, about well, you know, we've thought about it this way for a long time, and and when we become rigid, we become less open to. Well, maybe it is time. Maybe. Maybe God's shaking up the church a bit here to to do, as you say, to do the hard thinking and and maybe come up with a different way forward and still be um, still honor hmm. the fundamentals. Hmm. Yeah, that's why right. Jesus has to be the center. And I, and I look, I'll chuck hmm. up this Wesleyan quadrilateral things. I think it's hard. We're all, we're all probably all over, but. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the wrestle that I think we're called to, and it's a real wrestle, and uh, to wrestle with reason, to, to work out what is our experience, to, to look at the tradition, fundamentally wrestle with Scripture, and, and say, okay, what is true in this moment? And there can be a kind of what looks like, I don't know, leadership or something that, that says, okay, we're not going to, we're going to define ourselves against the past and we're going to do what the culture says is the right thing to do. That's, that's the wrong thing to do. Because there are, there, there are always in the church, there's these two voices. There is our past that tells us what we should do. There's also the world that is saying, this is what you should do. Uh, and, and neither of those is Jesus. Uh, mm. The world has changed. So, our, our history with the people who have gone before us were often being as faithful as they knew how to be in their time, at their place, in their culture. Things have changed. And so we can't just adapt and, and just keep rehearsing the history. Neither can we then go, okay, well, let's just do what the world says because we want to love everybody and let everybody, you know, live and, 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 let, let, and, be, and go for it. But I, I don't think as followers of Jesus, that's not it either. We've got to... What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? And and, and there is this, there's always this danger where Jesus starts to, to agree with all my opinions on stuff. It's probably not going to be Jesus you're listening to, actually. Mm. Uh, he, he actually does want us to become 
more holy, not less holy. Um, holiness doesn't mean boring, and it doesn't mean doing what the doing what you know going back to the 1950s. But it does being being set aside for God's use, and so it is this wrestle we're invited to. I, I and I think that there's another part of that you know you of that quadrilateral which was scripture, the word of God. Yes. And um, that's really important too that we're testing against because what God's word says, what Jesus said in the New Testament times, mm -hmm. so that um, yeah, that's um, that's the plumb line if you like. That's the yes, the ruler. Absolutely. And yeah. and I and I was talking to somebody the other day. In fact, it was a couple of. It was funny. It it came up with in three different contexts on the same day about how sometimes you're reading God's word and a verse or whatever will just kind of like jump out at you. It's like, oh, I've read that before, but it's never hit me quite like that before. And it's yeah. it's like in that moment, there's something about it. And I know you've got to be careful that you don't take things. You don't read things out of context in the Bible and make it what you want it to mean. Yeah. But I do think that when you ask Jesus, ask God to reveal through his spirit what he wants to tell you through his word, there will be things that will kind of pop out at you yeah. as an individual when you're reading God's word, as when you're in a little group reading God's word, as a church when you're trying to work through particular issues. And... And I think we need to then look at that and say, well, what is it about that verse or verses that hit me? What was it that made me think, oh, this is something important for me or for the for our group or for the church? And like there was, I'll just give another example for the church. I think it was, was it two, three years ago? One of the things somebody read the word from Deuteronomy about mm -hmm. like an eagle that pushes its um, fledglings out of the nest, um, and that you, that person took this word to the eldership, and mm -hmm. and it meant it resonated with the elders as well, and it became like a a signal to the church that we were in for some change. We were going to be like little fledglings again, that we had to learn to fly on, on different things. And yes. um, and and so, yes, yeah, so God's word, he uses it still. It mm. is relevant still um, mm. in our individual walks with God and also in our church life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we need to finish up in a minute. Um, is there anything you guys wanted to throw in before we finish up? No, it, just, it feels like this stuff's important. Like, it, like mm. really, and I don't know uh, how to make sure we don't lose sight of it, but I really want to make sure we don't lose sight of it. This is the mm. wrestle, I think. Uh, these weeks, and what John will be talking about this coming week, where he talks about forgiveness and radical forgiveness. Uh, I, I think what Ma what Jesus teaches in Matthew 18 is revolutionary. Mm. Uh, and if we take it seriously, we'll change us and change it. Um, so I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for ways. I'm actually wondering about taking the uh, transcripts of these sermons and, and using it as the basis for a book. Because I feel like it's... Um, and, and expanding it further because I feel like there's layers and layers that we weren't able to get to in the sermons. But mm. I, if, if it, this stuff for me just really feels important. Mm. Great. Peter, anything for you? Well, also, I think if we took these three verses that uh, we've been looking at today in isolation, it's got a a different aspect, even a, a, a different meaning in a sense, than if we take them and we look at the verses before them. There's a real danger in taking verses, even whole chapters or, or mm. books, and not applying it across all of Scripture, and, mm. and yeah. not applying it with prayer and careful thought. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a good lesson in that too, that we there is a danger for the church in if we 
start looking in too narrow a fashion. We must consider that we, we live in a world that perhaps doesn't understand and, and openly goes against what God would have us be and do, but there is something special that we have in Scripture that just helps us on the walk through life. And life is the important word in all that, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Can, can I just finish with a word from Colossians, the letter to the Colossians? Because mm. um, I just think it kind of speaks to everything we've been talking about. It's from Colossians chapter 3, and it starts at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And as we bring that into the tension of what we're trying to work through, that's what's important. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Mm. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Mm. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hmm. Thanks, Anne. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that one ringing in people's ears, I think. It's a beautiful way to finish. Thanks, guys, for joining us. And uh, feel free to comment below in, in um, wherever you're watching this. Keep the conversation going and uh, find a few mates and actually work through with Christ what he's asking of you. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. Okay, thanks, guys. See ya.